But anyway, she was there for three hours today, coloring, doing puzzles, obsessing over this lava lamp of one of the graphic designers. But she was extraordinary. It was so much fun. Nice. I know. It is just a really good time right now for our oldest. And I'm going to ride that high as long as I can. (laughs) Magic. Yeah. We could call the new segment Defining Gravity. Oh, good Lord. Nate. (laughs) (laughs) I think that would be good. Okay. Did you say that would be good? That would be good. No, that was not a good one. Okay. I know you can get there. Would you like to welcome our listeners? (laughs) Hey-o. Welcome, everyone. (laughs) Welcome. It is a (laughs) work day. It's dark outside. Yeah. Yeah. How are you, Nate? So when you welcome them, you have to say, like, the name of the podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What are we? It's a brain thing. We're the It's a Brain. Yeah. 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 Do you guys, when you hear the jingle, do you ever want to dance? Because when I don't hear the jingle, but I think of the jingle, my little shoulders get a pop. It's pretty, yeah, it's pretty catchy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've also started putting them on the end of the YouTube videos. We're going to start doing oh, that. Oh, cool. The same song. Yeah. Well, that's a good idea. So yeah. Hi, everybody. <laughs> um, today we're going to be talking about lying or mm. as Nate says, what appears to be lying mm. because there are other possibilities, mm. right? And but before we talk about lying, we're going to do our new segment, apparently not called Defining Gravity. No, it has nothing um, to do with gravity. But we're going to be defining something. Today, we're going to define terms. Defin- dandy definitions. Yeah. Terms yeah. that <laughs> in the behavior consultation world, behavior specialist world, we call setting events and Delphinium definitions. So setting events and triggers. That's what we're defining yes. today. Hopefully that, that <laughs> we, hopefully that will be edited well and it will make sense to the it's listener. It's going to be so good. We, yeah, we yeah. do a lot of mess ups. Okay. Yeah. Setting no, ev- no. Creative boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> setting events and triggers. Yeah. So these are terms that I use when both doing trainings as well as doing behavior assessments. And behavior assessments, I probably find them way more fascinating than anybody else. But... Um, we're just kind of making guesses as to why behaviors happen. And a, and a part of that process are what we call setting events and triggers. So that's part of the, the positive behavior support model. Setting events, S-E-T-T-I-N-G-S? Yes, setting. Yep. Okay. Setting events and then triggers. Okay. And so th- th- these are part of what we call the behavior chain. So certain things happen that create behaviors, right? And what I think is important to know about this and how I apply it to my work is – we were looking at things that lead to behaviors, right? And people are generally familiar with the term triggers, right? And mm-hmm. what if I said, you know, what's a, what's a behavior trigger? How would you define that? An event that happens that to create a large reaction. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So something that leads to a behavior, right? Yeah. yeah. And then does setting event mean anything to you? Have you heard? No, of that? I've never heard of it. Okay. So a setting event. Let's we'll kind of go through the behavior chain. First of all, we have things about us that influence our behavior. Mm -hmm. Things like how our brain is wired, things like our mental health, our trauma, our history. Those are called presets and we're not talking about those today. Okay. Then we have what what we call setting events. That's kind of the next thing we consider That's one of the things we consider when we're assessing behaviors. Mm -hmm. So a setting event is 
an event that will make behaviors much more likely, to, likely like to happen. Like the environment. It could be in the environment, but it does not necessarily lead to a behavior. So um, waking up late, if that's a stressor for you, mm-hmm. that could be a setting event to a behavior. And so the idea is that the more setting mm. events a person has, the more stressors, the more they're using their executive functioning to regulate themselves the more likely you are to have a behavior happen. So okay. the more setting events, and those are really important. So some examples are starting the morning off, being really tired, being yelled at by mom and dad, not eating breakfast, not, not having my homework ready. Yeah. All of these things could potentially move your kid closer and closer toward a behavior. Mm-hmm. Then we have triggers and triggers technically are things that happen right before a behavior occurs. Mm-hmm. And so Triggers are not always consistent, right? Because you can your kid can handle something one day, but then mm-hmm. not the other. And so what I tend to tell people is you want to be looking at setting events, those things that move somebody closer to a behavior. Because if you can catch them, then you can hopefully prevent a behavior because you can make a plan or adjust expectations. Nate, I have an IEP meeting in the morning. Yeah. This, this is the – I had I had no way to define this before, but now this is exactly why I'm going in there is because they're struggling with the setting events in her right. day-to-day. So now I'm able – it's actually super helpful. Good, yeah. So <laughs> Free consultation tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and so when I get incident reports, right, I work with a lot of foster providers or group homes – we tend to just look at the trigger. So the thing that happened just before. Mm-hmm. And so there was an explosion at the store after the guy uh, asked for a candy bar and we told him no, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of all the information I get. We were at the store, this happened, and then this happened. But what we don't necessarily get from that perspective is how did the person's day go? Yeah. What were the things that happened earlier in the day? And those would be those setting events, the yes. things that can lead up to it and move us closer toward escalation or whatever behavior just thought of this too another really helpful thing that why the setting events this is like magic my mind's being blown right now because i think a lot of moms in they have this instinct Mm -hmm. to know what those are but for me those are always feelings and i had to like when like a babysitter would come and i would try to explain like no you 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 can't move dinner time you know and you have to make sure that we're fed at a certain Mm -hmm. time and you and uh, now there's like a category we can put those in as moms and dads. When we're trying to have people come into our homes and take over just normal day-to-day stuff, right? those things matter so much. Right. And so, you know, and to keep in mind, if I as the caregiver change expectations, even mm-hmm. though I'm trying to avoid doing that, yeah. just because the kid handles it well, that doesn't mean I'm fine, right? Because yeah. that was a setting event. So that, yes, they might have handled that first time well, but that doesn't, I don't want to keep on doing that if at all possible. Yes. So wow, setting event. Yeah. So if you're if you're a professional and you're writing uh, incident reports or you advise people on how to write incident reports, try to encourage them not just to put in there what happened directly before the incident, but list any significant setting events that happened through that whole day. Or sometimes, you know, we have these seasons of mental health manifestation. So sometimes setting events happen over a period of days and days. Yeah. You know, pushing somebody closer and closer towards some kind of significant behavior. I'm glad that you find that helpful. Thanks for connecting with me, Nate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that really is extraordinary. That I, When did you learn about this? I learned about it by working in developmental disabilities and kind of being a part of it. Why didn't you tell me about this before then? 
because this you is the kind of, I needed this. Like th- this is included in your functional behavior. Well, I didn't write your, not in mine. Oh yeah, it should be in any functional behavior assessment. So this is a very common language to use in schools. Hmm. And again, so then they'll be not everybody has the exact same definitions as me. So I'm giving yeah. you guys kind of my interpretation. So yeah, always invited. If if I get something totally wrong, please correct me. Okay. I, I mean, I looked them up before. Hey, I'm just to make sure. I was. <laughs> <laughs> am um, I am I saying this right? And so, yeah, I mean, the reason why we don't know, I think, is because people don't tend to find these interesting. We do you know, when we're I, talking about a toddler. And that's what, like, right, as you're it saying this. To us, yeah, yeah. It's like we have, we make these expectations and we allow to change our expectations as adults when we're dealing with a two-year-old. If they didn't nap, we're not going to take them grocery shopping, right? Right. But I think once our kids grow older and we developmentally are like, oh, they should be able to they handle themselves. Able to. Right. Yeah. I think that that's exactly what we need to start doing. And that's what I've been doing as a mom. I just didn't know what I was doing now. Yeah. But now I do. Oh, Great. my God. Mind blown. Dropping mics. Cool. So, Clunk. yeah. Let's talk about lying now. Oh, yeah. Has there been a situation where you've had a child lie to you? <laughs> <laughs> Today? Uh, <laughs> yeah. My flanks, my oldest and my youngest, they're, they are by far my my most uh creative liars yeah yeah but our um our our youngest he's five and it genuinely is like exactly when he's supposed to be um, experimenting with lying Mm -hmm. um and then our oldest um our sweet sweet oldest she it was it was increasingly getting out of control and it was mr nate it was you that told me one day what did you say you said something like it's it's a good sign it's showing that she's able to what did you say oh yeah, I just kind of threw that out there. Like, well, maybe it's a sign that she's being, she's actually improving in her executive functioning and planning. Yeah, yeah. Because she's now making, she's actually p- making plans and kind of trying to do these experiments to see if they work. Yeah. Okay. So you said that to me, and this is, you know, like after. So it's, it was like, a, here's the bright side. It, yeah. it sucks now, but you know, yeah. her, her brain's getting a little bit more advanced, and she's trying to totally. Up. Yeah. So I was like, because I was starting to get really anxious about it. Like, oh my gosh, because the lies were getting a little bit more. We were testing these lying stuff outside of our home mm-hmm. um so it was yeah. just making me really anxious and so when you said that i was like okay i'm gonna start being really mindful about i'm gonna when i start to feel that anxiety because she lies i'm gonna go to nate's words and i'm gonna be really present in those words and i'm mm-hmm. gonna think about those words and i did and i stopped reacting to her lies i would kind of be like uh-huh you know let her know that i know mm-hmm. she's fabricating the truth but i wouldn't punish her i wasn't um I wasn't uh, making her feel shame because of it. And um, most of the time she would talk herself, be like, oh, you knew? You really knew, mom? Mom, you know? <laughs> you knew I was telling a lie? You really knew? Oh, how'd you know, mom? You know? And um, and there was no longer any tension there. And I was like, okay, it's working. But then um, a few weeks ago, my I was in the kitchen and, and our middle daughter had a science project, these like crystals that we had to make and they had to sit out on the counter and um, harden. And... And this, people had been poking the <laughs> crystals after I was specific, even put signs, do not touch these damn crystals. <laughs> and um, there was clear poke marks in them. So I, and it that's a typical thing of our five-year-old to do. He's really into the, that kind of stuff. So I was like, crew, did you do this? Like, is this, you know, honey, I've asked you, please, they're not going to grow. And he's like, I didn't do it, mommy. And I was like, Cruzy, who else would climb on the counter and and do this. So it was me, my oldest, and our youngest in the kitchen um, talking about this. Well, my my youngest and I. And he was adamant that he didn't do it. And our oldest came over and she was like, Mom, Mom, I have to tell you something. It's not, it's not, 
it's not crew who did it. I was the one that poked it. And I was like, oh my gosh, thank you for being honest. And she's like, I know what it feels like to be blamed for something. And I didn't want him to, to feel those feelings. Awesome. I know. So it really shows that if you, I, what you said was that, because not only in that space was she able to, to tell the truth when it was really hard because she mm-hmm. knew she wasn't going to get in trouble for right for fabricating. Because you had been changing your response. Me. It was all me. Yeah. I gave her a safe place to, to make a massive mistake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was... Um, it was good. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so that's, that's, you know, that's one way that one lens, you know, the listeners might want to look at lying through is, yeah. you know, maybe this is cognitive skills that are now finally developing, or maybe that were delayed in developing. Now they're actually being used and, you yeah. know, in, in a typical way of a younger kid, yeah. but it was delayed. So now they're going to have to go through that phase of totally experimentation and how, how we respond is going to set the stage for later on. So yeah. if it, if it, becomes a source of stress for us Mm -hmm. and then therefore for them if we punish then like it's not gonna lead to transparency in the future no there's a lot of other things we want to consider too we have a video that we recently made on confabulation Mm -hmm. have you heard that term just from you night sheets confabulation Mm -hmm. um that's very it's very common in fetal alcohol and really it's something that we all do we confabulate memories I'm not going to go into that whole thing too much because the video does. We'll put a link in the in our show notes. Mm-hmm. But what it is, it's the brain filling in the blanks on things, right? And so when you have a kid whose brain is filling in the blanks for them, but it's not doing it correctly, from the kid's perspective, they're just remembering the memory and it feels like a normal memory, mm-hmm. right? But then we as the adult know that that's not true and especially if the kiddo has an invisible disability, it's very easy to just jump to that conclusion that they're lying. They must be lying. This is so ridiculous. This just happened five minutes ago. Whatever our rationale is, it gets us in that unhealthy response. Can I ask you a question about this? Yeah. Does that, does confabulation happen more when they're in trauma brain or when they are feeling super anxious? I would say yes. I would. And I I experienced that with her. Yeah. I think because when you, if she can't think in that yeah. mode, you yeah. know, her brain might be trying to help her. Yeah. Right. And it's just going to be more, and really you lose your various cognitive skills in those moments. Yeah. So I, I could see how that potentially okay. could lead to an increase in That's, I kind of want, after I learned what this was from you, I would kind of watch her do that. And then what I would just say is, honey, when you're calm, just come tell me the story, you mm-hmm. know, because it just gave her time to walk away and then come back where she didn't have to, because I felt like, and tell me if this is typical, it, she would go on these, things and the more I would be like I don't honey like I just like I don't that could not have happened or if Mm -hmm. I would try to insert the more she believed it and like the more intense uh so now you kind of just let her get it out yeah I just let her get it out and then think instead of challenging the story in the moment yeah yeah I'm just like okay uh uh-huh and sometimes she can tell by my face where I'm like being silly or I'll be like making silly faces at her you know I, Mm -hmm. I I just try to take her out of that intensity that like um it's almost like a it's almost like a perseveration. Right. It's I like, see that. It kind of, yeah. Does her. that kind of make, mm-hmm. yeah, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, and she can't get out of it unless she has a safe place to land. And so it's right. either like, just, you know, go, go, just go calm yourself down, kitten, you know, mm-hmm. and, and saying it really calmly and gently. Or I make silly faces at her while she's doing it. Mm-hmm. So she knows, like, you don't have to do this. It's okay. Yeah. And if it's perseveration, you yeah. know, in the, cl- in the sense that we use it, um, challenging the story doesn't stop that perseveration. So I could see mm-hmm. why that might make it worse because yeah. she's she's still perseverating 
and we just usually it is a good idea just to kind of let that run its course you okay. know and then kind yeah. of slowly bring them out of it okay yeah that could be a whole other episode is perseveration. Mm. Um, so confabulation is a possibility. Another possibility is if we're talking about answering our questions and we're getting lies, maybe what's going on is impulsive answering, mm. right? So especially with yes or no questions, it's really easy for somebody to kind of get a sense of that's what it is. And if for whatever reason they don't have an answer or want to answer, they'll just give you a yes or no. Or they're afraid to give the wrong answer. Yeah, or they might say, I don't know a lot. Or yeah, or they're, and there, it could be a lot of things that leads to this. Maybe they're not processing your question, right? Maybe they're not able to form a response. Mm -hmm. Maybe what you've asked them is too complex. Mm -hmm. Maybe they are anxious. Oh yeah, definitely. A lot of things can lead to this and increase the chances of that happening. That's not the same as a lie though, mm. right? It's, it's them being pressured or forced or however you want to think about that or just not thinking, right? I mean, just impulsively, Sometimes it's easier just to, to get people off of your back by just giving them an answer rather than really thinking about what they want you to think about. That's what our middle child does. She's seven. She has ADHD. And she, uh, sweetest little thing on the planet, she's she's not a liar by any measure. And she rarely even plays with that boundary. But when she always tells me when she's at school and she's like overwhelmed or things are too much and her friends asks her questions, she's like, mom, I don't know why, but my brain just tells them answers that aren't true. Mm -hmm. I was like... That's called confabulation, daughter. You know, <laughs> so it, uh, I, because I learned that from you, but yeah. I was able to explain to her that just slow your brain down, mm -hmm. let it come, because the truth will come. You just have to find it in your brain bins. Yeah. Yeah. So she just does it because she gets nervous. Yeah. She doesn't know what to say in that moment. Yeah. And that increases impulsivity. So you, I have to do something, words just start coming out before you can fully yeah. filter them. Yeah. Another thing it could be is perception hmm. distortions. Hmm. Um, and this is really common in FASD where they will leave the same conversation. We've, we've talked about this. They'll leave the same conversation with a completely different impression mm -hmm. of what happened than we do. Mm -hmm. And again, there's a lot of things that can go into why that might happen, but it's a brain thing. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, it's possible that the person is intentionally lying. So now let's talk about what we can do to address it. Confabulation. Well, we can try to reduce putting pressure on them and see if that reduces the confabulation from happening giving them time to think is a big one. Mm -hmm. So the, you know, that helps to, to relieve that pressure. Um, but we, we, one thing we, we do have to keep in mind, especially when we're talking about developmental disability is confabulation might just always happen mm -hmm. and they're not always going to know Well, they're, they're rarely going to really be able to know that it's confabulation. Cause again, they're experiencing it as a memory mm -hmm. um, and we just might not always catch it. Right. And so it's just something that you can expect to happen to a certain degree mm -hmm. for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, then we have, what can we do about impulsive answering of questions? Any ideas? Yeah. Um, for, especially if it has to do with, uh, I do a lot of writing with our oldest. So I'll, if something happened and I want to get to the bottom of it, I take out a pencil and a piece of paper and I ask her to, to write it out with me. And at first everything comes out super irrational and super blamey and um, nothing of what I experienced the reality to have happened. And by just listening and validating that sh that must have created really big feelings and, and um, I'm so sorry you went, you went through that and just validating her experience by the time we're done with the conversation, she has, join me back in reality mm -hmm. and is actually able to problem solve 
what she could have done differently or how that situation could have gone differently. Yeah. So I think just meeting the kid, at least this what it works for us, is just listen to them, validate. And we have to do it through writing because when she's in that state, mm-hmm. my words are too much for her and I, yeah. she won't be able to process. So through writing and, and um, she's just listen, validate, and then problem solve. And I, I always just ask leading questions like, well, what would you do differently? Yeah. Or And something I wanted to say, when you yeah. let it come out, initially right when you let the lies come or when you let that what you think is a twisted perspective happen it gives you information about her perspective in that moment because she felt it right and then that gives you tools to work for next time so let's say we have a kid who they ask a peer to play the peer doesn't want to play so they say no and then that kid takes that as a rejection and they Mm -hmm. might escalate yeah so then we're we're sitting there trying to talk to them they're like they were mean to me right we know that they weren't mean right Right. or you know they hate me and we know that they don't hate them instead of trying to correct it immediately get them to that calm place and then later on we can start doing that skills building of here's what it means when somebody doesn't want to play it doesn't mean they hate you right it means that right now they want to be you know by themselves or they want to play with somebody else totally and here's what we can do to, to handle that and then really start to work. But if we are so worried about correcting that perception distortion, which a lot of parents are, right? right? That's kind of what you want to do. That's not how it went. Right. That's not what happened. Then we, we can miss kind of allowing this to, for them to actually be able to make those connections themselves. Yeah. We, we miss the information. Yeah. No. And I think that's, that's exactly what has been really powerful in just letting her write it out. Yeah. Tonight, actually, before I came here, we were watching this video of we, we talk a lot about jealousy and how that's kind of like a rager mm-hmm. for her and um, especially for her little sister who's surpassing in, in skills and such. And we watched this video. Our daughter loves videos of like childhood stuff. And it was of the day our middle child learned how to ride a bike before our oldest could even do a tricycle. Mm-hmm. And um, in the video, she was running after her middle sister. Our oldest was running after her middle sister saying, I can run faster than you. You can't even do this. And was very angry. And then her little sister was saying, you're, you're my big sister. You can do it. So as, as our oldest was watching this tonight, she looks at me and she goes, oh, my gosh, mom, that's what my sister feels like. And it was putting these puzzle pieces together mm-hmm. that um, – she didn't have before. And I think that's the same thing with writing is that I, I feel like even though it's not true reality, by allowing her to express herself and being validated in that spot where I'm allowing all those puzzle pieces to kind of formulate the real picture when mm-hmm. before it was more of a mosaic of all these different tiles. Yeah. That's and, what it feels like when I watch her go through it. Right. And writing in a visual way, yeah. you know, helps to decrease impulsive answer. I mean, that's why it makes sense why that would work because you're literally we're not taking the answer we're going a little bit deeper. Um, Then for perception distortions, again, you might have to always accommodate this. It's very common in a lot of developmental disabilities, including FASD. There's a lot of things that go into why people have perception distortions. And so not all of them will always be able to be developed or improved upon. There are things we can do. For example, if there's a conversation that it's really important that they remember it accurately, Mm -hmm. we can record the conversation, Hmm. right? That way they can listen to it 20 minutes later or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then also we can try to, because sometimes the perception distortion happens immediately. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a memory thing. So it happens later. So if it's somebody who tends to to perceive things correctly as they're happening, 
just kind of wrapping up certain significant interactions. Oh, that went well. Did you notice how that happened? Hmm. Or if they, if, if you sense they're starting to struggle right away, you can gently just kind of bring in other perspectives, but not necessarily correcting them. Um, and it, it will kind of depend on your relationship with them and how they think about these things. But you could even say, here's what I noticed. Hmm. Here's what I saw. And just trying not to correct them, but just, you know, giving them another piece that they, their brain didn't process in the moment. So they're giving you their perspective. And then you're saying, well, here's what I saw as well. And hopefully they'll be able to start considering that. Well, if, you know, if mom's telling me the truth, maybe the situation is a little bit different. So, so it's like almost some of these kiddos and adults struggle with act truly getting all the puzzle pieces necessary. Yes. And so we are the support then to add those extra puzzle pieces right. to make that clear picture. Right. Got it. And so as opposed to saying that's not what happened, right. you're saying, well, here's something else for you to consider I like and, it. and hopefully build that skill. I like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, Nate. So what about when a lie is just a lie? So what I think, what I want to avoid is the mindset of, well, then if it's a lie, then I'm going to then automatically respond with a traditional parenting Mm -hmm. technique, right? Mm -hmm. Which is punishment usually Mm -hmm. when it comes to lies, right? Kids lie for reasons. Mm -hmm. And if it's not impulsivity, there's, there's other things we want to consider. What position are we putting them in? If we're, if they did something and we are pissed off and we are sitting in the room and we're like, you're going to tell me what happened. Yeah. You know, that's probably not going to help their fear level. So if they're in a high anxiety state, Rather than tell the truth because they can't, if they could stop and think, they would think, okay, telling the truth will be better. You know, Mm -hmm. mom and dad love me. I'm not, I'm in a safe place. Right. But in that moment where we are sending their brain, you know, you need to be fearful right now because Mm -hmm. we're showing aggression or anger or frustration or disappointment or whatever, Mm -hmm. then they might feel kind of pressured to do that in that moment. So we want to teach them, you know, we're going to interact with you in a way where you don't have to feel that pressure, where you don't feel like you have to lie. And I think that's just that, that for me, my personal beliefs, that is how all children of all developmental abilities uh, need to be parented. Because I think if we go in, if someone drops the eggs and you say, who, who dropped these eggs? You know, mm-hmm. even if you're like, who dropped these eggs? They still know they're going to be met with, like yeah. you said, disappointment or frustration. But if you just say, whoever dropped the eggs, if you can come clean them up, that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. So they know that the consequence is just a natural, just come and clean it up. It avoids them even having to be in the position of having right. to lie it's like oh i just need to come contribute and fix right. my mistake and I, I i frequently see parents kind of wonder like they'll, they'll, they'll give an example of oh, oh, like just like that you know yeah. they, they they flat out lied to me when i asked them if they did this and it's very important that we remember it's because you put them in that position yes. right i mean yes. it's and so allow them to fix a mistake right so if nate let's like the hardest lie for me to find a way to get through and work through is when mm-hmm. it's like an intentional, like there's, there's no, they're not doing it because they're afraid of a consequence. They're mm-hmm. not doing it um, because of a, of a brain thing or what appears to not be a brain thing. It's, it's, it's um, exaggerating something that happened. Yeah. A vacation they never took or, um, or saying a kid push them, you know, trying mm-hmm. to trying to implicate someone to get in trouble. I mean, what what do we do then? What is that? What's happening? Well, you want to consider a few things. Mm-hmm. Um, let's do, let's do the kid pushed me, yeah. right? 
maybe there's confabulation there, right? There, there could still be brain things going on with that. It's yeah. maybe there, but if, if we assume that all of those things are not happening and they're just telling that as a lie to you, then what are they getting out of that? Hmm. And what are they seeking? Are they seeking your attention? Mm-hmm. Right. So then you can assess how am I giving my kid or whoever attention? Do mm-hmm. I need, can I be more proactive so they don't feel the need to draw me into their world with a lie. Mm-hmm. We can just, I can be drawn into their world with what actually happened, right? Yeah. So sure. trying to maybe take that approach. Um, in the case of, oh, so like the vacation example, yeah. like when they might be bragging to peers, yeah. you know, they, you know, they want acceptance, right. they want status. And that's very common, especially kids, just yeah. that's what they think that they need to compete with their peers. I feel like you know? all kids do that. I Absolutely. think they all, yeah. Like yeah. I hear on the playground a few days ago, I heard kids saying, well, my dad was the fastest swimmer in Oregon. And I was like, uh, does he even swim? Yeah. You know, but it, it just felt really good. Yeah. I think that's also a sign that we need to boost up our kids value of just being human is just good enough. But I think that takes a long time. Right. And being aware of that kind of the very first thing we talked about today, which was Sometimes these, if it is an intentional lie, it's like an experiment of can this work? Yeah. We see as kids, we see people lie like in media and Mm -hmm. sometimes we emulate that or the drama that we see on TV. You know, when we're young, we might start to like use the same phrases and see if it works out the same way. Hmm. Um, And so. I like how you just phrase that. Lying is common. Yeah. Yeah, it is common. Okay. Nate. Yeah. Is it okay that I when when I notice she or any of my kids, for that matter, do an intentional silly lie, that I kind of go, mm, okay, I don't know about that. Or is it to not engage them on a, this is not okay. But then, and then as soon as they are, we can talk about it later, like why that's not going to work in a social mm-hmm. situation. Is that an appropriate way to approach it? I, I would think most of the time, yes, right? Okay. The question is, what's what's most likely going to happen if I call them out on it right. versus putting it aside for now or using a strategy that we discussed and talking about it later. Right. So if it's, if you're going to call them out and they're going to get defensive, mm-hmm. I don't see the benefit of that. Right. If they're going to escalate, definitely not a benefit. Yeah. If they're going to feel compelled just to dig in and power struggle, right. I don't understand the point of that. Or even filled with shame. They made right. a mistake. Right. Yeah. They're trying something out. Yeah. Like, Let's just not do it next time. So yeah. I mean, and, and it's, I'm not saying that you have to feed into the lie, right? but just trying to table it until a little bit more thinking and processing can happen. And then also, you know, when we know they're intentionally lying, I mean, I just think you really should always be aware, even if you're going to go with that interpretation, just be aware that you could be wrong Mm. and ask yourself what it would be like if you happen to make the wrong interpretation. Cause we talked about like five different possibilities, right? Intentional lying is one of them, but if it's something else and then other things, you know, we haven't even thought of, how will that feel to your kid? It's going to be confusing. It's going to create stress. And if it's like for a lot of kids with FASD, if it's happening over and over and over again, that's an ongoing stress and that's never good. Yeah, for sure. Cool. So we're going to wrap up this episode. Wrap up. Thanks everybody for joining us. Um, You can, if you'd like to be a patron of our show, which means that you give us a little bit of money every month, you can do that at our Patreon site. That's www.patreon.com slash organ behavior. We'll put a link in the show notes. And that just allows people to give us as little as $2 a month. Yeah. Just $2 a month. um, To help support 
all the families out there right. need a little extra. By giving access to Nate's incredible videos. And our podcast. Podcast. And, you know, hopefully other projects. As can I can I, can I I plug something, Nate? Sure. Really quick. Hi, guys. <laughs> this is Jill Snell. So uh, one of the things that I've been working on just outside of this is I, I started a magazine called House of Huckleberry, and it's also an online community. And it's just a place where we can grow humans and food and love and ourselves um, to just be okay being a hot mess and figuring this out together and supporting and encouraging one another. Um, so our first magazine's coming out in March. Um, mm. But if you want to check us out or join our community or um, follow us on Instagram, we'd absolutely adore you. And I think especially we're going to have a lot of practical parenting advice and about mindfulness and Nate's approach. Um, and what's the website? www.houseofhuckleberry.com. And then Instagram, it's at... House of Huckleberry, and then on Facebook, just look up House of Huckleberry, and yeah. you'll find us. Cool. Nate will also put on his Facebook all over the place because <laughs> I am going to make him. <laughs> <laughs> Would love to have you though. It's going to be warm and gentle and kind and exciting, and it's going to be beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Great. It's an exciting project. Yes. Yeah. Um and. For our podcast, you guys can check us out at organbehavior.com. You can follow us on Facebook at Organ Behavior Consultation. All the usual places. Twitter, we're on Twitter as well, at Organ Behavior. And maybe Instagram one day. Maybe Instagram one day. Then I could do selfies. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Have a good Thanks, week. Thanks, guys. Can I tell you? I need... Dun 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 d